Hey guys, welcome to Revenue Accelerator with your host, Kat Stancic, and I've got a special guest on today who's going to be taking a very different angle um, from any of the other guests that we've, we've had today. And uh, the reason is, actually, I'm going to let her share. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself, what you do, um, what you, you know, like who you support and kind of, you know, why you do what you do. Sure. My name is Lisa Despain and I am the owner of book2bestseller.com. So I help authors get their books to press. I've been doing this for over 20 years. I'm also a quilter and I love to quilt in my spare time. And I recently decided to start an online quilting business, which is totally in the beta phase. It's not (laughs) even ready for prime time quite yet, but it's just a little passion project of mine that I've been working towards for a little while now. So. Yeah. I love that because here's the thing. You've been doing something for 20 years. Um, everybody who's kind of in a, in a corporate mindset, you know, kind of situation, all the rest of America, other than entrepreneurs would be like, why, why would you do something else? Like you've got something that's working, you know? So what shifted your priorities to help you really kind of say, you know what, my passion is the thing that I want to actually start putting towards the forefront versus the back burner. Right. So I've been a quilter since I was 16. So years and years and years. I'm not going to tell you how long. You were such a cool 16 year old. I'm saying like, hey, I'm 16 and I quilt. What's up? (laughs) I have my grandma skills on point, even at 16. Oh, get it? Quilting on point? These are going to be some bad mom jokes. (laughs) Yeah. So I was all, it was always in the back of my head. I someday would like to own a quilt shop. Well, as I've grown older, I've been in retail. I understand that there's so much overhead, requires so much time, and there's not a whole lot of profit in it. So the dream of owning a quilt shop is now dead. Mm. However, (laughs) (laughs) one thing that is really fun about quilting is it can take so many different avenues. So what I would, what I'm doing in the future is I'm going to be blogging about the works in progress I have. helping people learn how to quilt because that's a pretty hot topic, believe it or not, for millennials. And in addition to that, I want to be doing patterns, maybe kits, but just basically exploring my love of the art online. Yeah. You know, I'm really feeling like there's a resurgence in terms of like craftsmanship. Um, We've gotten, you know, and and this is life, right? We swing from one pendulum to the other where we've gone into this, you know, value furniture kind of situation where you're like, yeah, I can buy a couch for 50 bucks and it falls apart within three days. (laughs) Um, I bought one of those couches and it sucked. Like I could feel the springs after like a year. (laughs) Um, And we're going back towards this quality component of, um, and then putting the time in and this appreciation. I know that growing up, my mom had instilled that like nothing else with a, uh, you know, we can either rent a movie or you can have a new pair of shoes. And it's just like making those decisions. And you hit on something really important there, which is millennials kind of coming back and getting reinvolved in some capacity. Mm Um, and I know like, I'm going to totally admit that when I was younger, younger than you, younger than 16, I, so I was a knitter and, um, I had bought some pieces of square stuff because I had seen how to make the American quilt, the, uh, with the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was like, I just love movies and everything comes back to movies for me. And I wanted to be able to do a quilt and I had had these patterns or these, these cutouts, whatever. And all I I knew I was supposed to sew them together. I must've held on to those things for like 10 years and never actually (laughs) having done it. So here we go. Long tangent coming back to the tie in of, 
there's a lot of times that people hold on to stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the, the very best of intentions of wanting to do things, but you have a process that has really supported you to not only grow as an individual, but grow your business. And I'd love for you to, to share kind of, you know, do you see how I, I set you up there? Yeah, that was very well done. <laughs> right. So going back to- Like, where is she going with this? I have no idea. <laughs> going back to cutting things out <laughs> as we would in quilting. Okay. So cutting things out, um, back in, it was, I believe, 2018, I decided that I was just working too much. So I had mm. my book business, which took up basically five days a week. It could be eight hours, could be 12 hours a day. And then over the weekend, I would do my quilting business. So at one point I had three businesses operating, two that were related to quilting and one that was related to books. It was a lot. Mm. I found that I was working all the time and my deadlines were always other people's deadlines. Mm. So the pressure was intense. If I wasn't working on books, I was working on quilts on the weekend and you would hit a place like Christmas where everybody needs everything all at once. And I was frantic all the time. The money was okay, but just the stress was unreasonable. So I thought, okay, I'm going to cut two of these businesses. So I cut both quilting businesses. Mm. Not that I don't love it, but the problem was the deadline. Mm. I knew that I can make my money during the week on books. I can stop doing quilting and have weekends off, basically go totally offline. Don't even check Facebook completely off the computer, which was fantastic. So then tragedy struck in December of 2018 when we lost my dad. And it was rather sudden. He had been diagnosed with lung cancer four years ago, and he had six months to live is what they said. So he went for four more years with this cancer diagnosis. He went through chemotherapy. He, you know, just did all the things he could to stay with us. And he did great for four years, but then he caught pneumonia in December Mm. and it was very sudden. Uh, within a week, he was in the ICU and then he died. I watched him die. Um, we did the funeral. We did all of it, all the memorials. It just, it was so much all at once. And I was so thankful that I had the time mm. to devote to being there for my mom, being there for my family, and just not stressing out about everything else. So there's something to be said about cutting out those things you can to make room for the things that are truly important. I'm just so thankful I had the foresight to cut those two businesses out when I did, because then I had the time that I needed to devote to the things that were the most important. He also died over the Christmas holiday, which is totally in character with my dad. He was a workaholic. He taught me everything I need to know about work ethic. He knew that was the only time that we would be able to be together without any kind of work pressure. Mm. We could spend two whole weeks together and not worry about anything. So he made it convenient at least. He did make it convenient. (laughs) (laughs) And what you guys don't know is that their their family has an amazing sense of humor. Um, You're going to have to share your mom's story because that just kind of lays up in terms of, of how you guys show up. But I love that, um, you know, this isn't a cele- this isn't a morning of a passing, but a celebration of life. Right. Um, and it's, 
two coin, two, two sides of the same coin, essentially. Yeah, it really is. And he, he died on, on the 28th. So Mm. on Christmas day, he was in the hospital. He was somewhat lucid and could sort of interact with us. Mm. I didn't see any of that. I was in the waiting room. My sisters were in there. My mom was in there and they kind of said, Oh my gosh, he's, you know, he's responding. And, um, there's something before death that happens, which is a rally. You know, Mm. the body tends to rally and give that person just a, a little bit, a small window where they're, they're there with you a little bit more. And then, um, so that was our Christmas present. And then by the 28th, he was gone. So then this Christmas, of course you think, oh my gosh, how sad, how devastating. You're always going to have a Christmas where you remember your dad, you know? And the thing is, is that the worst has already happened. Yeah. The worst that could happen happened. Can't die again. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Might as well have a fantastic Christmas. (laughs) Right. So yeah, we've just been kind of, you know, letting ourselves grieve, giving ourselves time to get over things and, you know, just kind of get back to normal and start dreaming again. Mm. That's one thing that surprised me with the grieving process is I really didn't care about much of anything. Mm people say, well, what's going on in your business? "Eh, You know, things are fine. And I wasn't dreaming about what's the next step. What's the next thing that I'm going to do with it. My husband would ask me, well, what do you want to do with your business next? I was like, "Eh, I don't know. I'm just going to, you know, do the thing and whatever happens, happens. He was like, oh, okay. You know, so he's really good about just letting me have time to just be me. Well, and you said something interesting that started happening was, is then all of a sudden people started coming to you out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. Um, approaching you about support, whether it was with quilting or whether it was book writing, um, you know, and it's, there is something to be said about when you release the expectation and you release the intention of closing a client, you know, that, that hungry mm-hmm. kind of, I've got to do this. And and so now I need to do this. And that had the doing right. This, this very mm-hmm. much more masculine energy, like aggressive directive kind of approach and of just this being place, which is very hard for a lot of people. Um, and a lot of people from the outside tend to want to come in and push you back into that doing and being place because people are very uncomfortable when someone just is, mm-hmm. how did you manage that? Right. So I was very fortunate in that I had some clients who have been with me for years through the book business. They were coming to me with new projects and they were needing me to work on them. And Mm. it wasn't a, I wasn't in a place where I could say, I don't want to do that or I can't do that because I needed the income. Mm. So they would come to me, I would do the project and then move on. And then the next project would come. So it was just kind of, I mean, I was never wanting for anything throughout the year, which is mind boggling. You know, I mean, you'd think that you'd have to go out and get it, you know, but it just came to me and it was because of those past relationships. Mm. So they really, you know, they really kind of fed me throughout the year, which I mean, it's beautiful, really. Well, and, and that there, you're hitting on something that's really important that I think a lot of people don't focus on, which is that relationship mm-hmm. um, and being able to, it, it's kind of like you did such amazing work, obviously, since people keep coming back to you. So there's, that's one, like deliver people, right? Like, sure. <laughs> but 
you also kept in touch with these people outside of just, I'm trying to upsell you. I'm trying to resell you, but just say, Hey, we have a human connection. How are you doing? Like what's going on with the kids? Like no intentionality of other than just keeping that relationship moving forward because you valued the person, not just the money that came your way. Um, And that's something that's kind of a, a longer term play, but that a lot of people don't focus on as it relates to growing your business and growing yourself as an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Um, they they tended to not only bring me what they were working on, but then they referred friends, which was fantastic as well. Mm. Yeah, it was very good. So how, with everything that kind of popped up and kind of, you know, got stirred up and, and the changes and things like that, because it's not just, you know, the, the passing of, of, of a father, right, which is already significant enough, but now you've had to step into additional roles and manage even more um, outside of what you were necess- maybe managing beforehand. So how mm-hmm. have you managed with those kind of changes and how that's impacted, you know, how you show up in, in business and in life? Yeah. So anytime you lose someone, you lose not only them and their companionship, but you lose your routine. Mm. So part of my new routine, it has been going to visit my mom every weekend, basically. And we get together and we quilt and we have fun and we watch TV and I've gotten her into trash TV, which is hilarious. (laughs) What are you watching? Like the bachelor? (laughs) No, no, no. Not that trashy. No, I'm watching um, Housewives and 90 Day Fiance. So okay, I can get down with some 90 Day Fiance. Okay. I don't know what the Housewives are. I can get down with some 90 Day Fiance. Yeah, I get it. There's something trashy. about it. Yeah, it's trash. You know, sometimes you just gotta. You know? Yeah, you know, yes. With the I world can't be being fully as... effective 100% of the time. Exactly, exactly. And with the world being as weird as it is right now, you know, sometimes you just need to turn it off and mm-hmm. just watch some silly people doing silly things and just relax. But yeah, she, she and I have been getting together pretty much every weekend and my sister will come um, quite frequently and we sew together, we quilt together. So there, that has helped me rekindle that love of quilting mm. basically. So now, now I'm thinking, you know, I'm starting to dream again and, and think about what do I want to do with this? Where do I want to take it? So it's just been a really fascinating journey because, you know, back in what October probably I would have been in that same place where I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't really care about anything right now. You know, I'm not going to dream so much, but now I'm like, Oh, I want to do this new thing. And there's (laughs) such a different energy. (laughs) And like, when you're talking about, and and like guys, she's freaking amazing as when it comes to books (laughs) and editing and knowing the process and all that stuff, like it's not for lack of skill set. but there is a different energy when you're talking about quilting. And I remember two years ago when you were like, I just did, I just delivered my last quilt and it was just like, I just need to get through this and just deliver it. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about needle, whatever, whatever you do with the quilting, needle pointing or whatever. I don't know. Um, and how <laughs> it was your last one. And you were kind of like, yay. You know, there was yeah. part of you was like, yeah, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm happy to be, to made a decision, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, you weren't all there energetically. It wasn't like, Oh my God, now I'm going to be fully into the book thing. And, and you did take like a, um, you know, within the same vein, focusing on SOPs and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And what I love is the fact that you still show up as this all serves, this all was on purpose for you to get to this place or back to this place almost. Mm -hmm. Um, like 
what do you, what's your advice for someone who isn't necessarily a hundred percent in energetically in their business? Yeah. So you want to look at some of the reasons why. So mm. if you think about Marie Kondo and you know, every time she picks something up, does this spark joy? And if it does, she keeps it. If she, if it doesn't, she knows it's okay to move on and just get rid of it. Mm. It's kind of the same thing with your business. If you, if you're looking at parts of your business and you're looking forward to doing that thing mm. and all these other things you'd just rather not do, or maybe it's the thing that just keeps going to the next day because you just can't muster up the energy to do it. It's like, Oh my God, that thing again. Mm. Well, that's a pretty good sign that maybe you shouldn't be doing that thing. Yeah. Or maybe you could hire somebody to do that thing for you. But, but like for me, I am, if I have an ebook to convert or if I have a book to format or whatever, I'm very happy to do that very first thing in the morning. But if I need to upload something to distribution channels, that just sucks the life out of me. It is the most boring. <laughs> just like, oh my gosh, do I have to do that again? You know? <laughs> so no more. You know, yeah. Right, right. So you want to limit those things and try mm. to get them done as quickly as possible or just cut them out completely. And same thing with a lot of the, a lot of the functions you do. Like SOPs, I think I could probably do for the rest of my life. I enjoyed it. I like learning new things. But I looked at my time constraints. Mm. And it turns out that I was making probably 10 to $15 an hour. Oof. So there was a lot of effort, a lot yeah. of switching of the brain to get into the right mode of thinking. And then to be making that kind of money, just, it was pretty obvious that that could be cut out easily and would allow me to do more time. And in fact, when I cut it out, I booked an additional $1,300 just in random things that I popped just, up that. Yeah. Yeah. I just caught it. I didn't have to go get it. It just right. happened. Right. Well, I mean, and you just show up in a different, I mean, I'm going to say energetic space where you can receive from, because to say yes to the thing that you're really passionate about, you have to say no to things that, you know, might be tempting in the short term, right? And it's looking at that strategy of where are you putting your attention as it relates to the long-term strategy versus the short-term? Because a lot of people stay in the short-term of they're just constantly chasing the dollar or constantly trying to do the only the next thing. And they're not looking at, you know, yes, it's easier maybe for me to do it right now and it would take me longer to train someone, but that's the short-term thinking. Like the long-term thinking is, is I can unload this onto someone else. Now I will caveat that with when it comes to sales and marketing, you guys need to understand it <laughs> at a certain component before you delegate it. Like, I think you'd agree with yeah. that, Lisa. Like you have to, you know, understand things before you can delegate them out. You can't just say, Hey, I just want to do this one thing. Um, there is minutia that everybody has to do in their business. But if that thing is really causing the, the main thing that you're building your entire business around. So let's say it's writing books or um, coaching and you're not enjoying that work, that main foundation, then you got to look at, you know, am I doing the work that I'm meant to be doing? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's kind of what kind of got called into question for you. If you thought you'd answer that question and you're like, actually, no, I didn't. I, I did the opposite thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I ended up doubling down on books yeah. when, when I probably should have been rethinking I, I should have started the quilting business, I think, a couple of years ago and just mm. really gone 100% into that and let books pay the bills, you know. And and I think, too, 
part of the reason books are boring is that I'm do, I've done them for so long. There's yeah. no huge You're talking about 20 years of her doing this, right? right? And, like it's not like two years ago that she started doing <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was in corporate with it too. You know, yeah. so I have a huge vast perspective of different ways of doing things. So, mm. so I think, I think it's easy to get bored with things that you do for so long. And it's sometimes nice to have another thing to think about yeah. while you're doing the work that will actually rekindle the work you're doing. So yeah. I'm more excited about books today than I was a year ago. Right. Well, it's, and it's figuring out how to reinvigorate yourself and mm -hmm. provide that time and space because sometimes it's not an all or nothing situation. And we talked about this a little bit offline of like, what's the transition, right? A lot of people, you know, think that there has to be this burn your ships, go all in, you know, if you don't do that, then you suck as an entrepreneur, right? Super like male marketing kind of strategy, um, you know, um, the bro marketing, I should say strategy approach. And it's not, there's a, there's a transition of mm -hmm. when you've decided to move from one end to the other, you kind of figure out, I mean, just like you ended one business to start another, you just didn't tell all the current customers, well, too bad, so sad. I know you paid me not delivering. <laughs> I'm going to do this other stuff. You delivered on what you wanted to and you started ramping up and there was mm -hmm. this um, intentional imbalance almost of, you know, mm -hmm. understanding that you're doing something. Um, so what would be your advice for someone who's just feels like they've got so much going on. They feel overwhelmed. Um, you know, they just, they're, they're uncertain about how they're going to proceed. Mm -hmm. I just finished a book last night that is so on point with Gen X women and it's, it's called why we can't sleep. Mm. And, uh, I read the, well, I read, I listened to the audiobook. person who reads, I just, <laughs> can you believe it? What? <laughs> yeah, no, I listened to it from audible. <laughs> so like, I tell my husband, I read a book on audible. He's like, no, no, you listen. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I know the difference. This when my mom said, can I call Uber? No, no, you can't call Uber. <laughs> yeah, no, please don't. <laughs> Where's the number? There's not a number. <laughs> Stop. Oh, that's great. But, um, this book talks about how Gen X women have been basically expected to do it all and do it mm. all well. Mm. So if you think and by of, themselves, exactly. Nothing has changed except the need for us to do everything. Right. Yeah. So the, you think about the boomer generation and the boomer women, they were blazing the trail. So anything they did to make anything a little bit different was applauded and mm. rightly so. And I'm super thankful for those choices. Now moving into Gen X women, you can do everything. So now you're expected to do everything mm. and you're expected to do it extremely well. Yeah. So if you think about like when, when I was having babies, so you breastfeed, you use cloth diapers, you carry the baby all the time please don't take the baby to daycare and you know, all these expectations to be the perfect mom mm. as if there is such a thing. Right. I mean, come on. I don't, so know, then, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Can't you keep your shit together? <laughs> you're literally airing dirty laundry right now. <laughs> right. Right. So then there, so then there's the other camp with like the mom at work and she's, you know, she's bottle feeding, which is great. She's taking her kids to daycare, which is great. You know, so all of these things. And then there was the mommy wars and, you know, mm. women fighting against women for the right way to do things. And there's no right way. There's just your way. 
what's best for you and your children. Yes. So then, so then not only do we have a job and we're supposed to excel at the job or have a business and excel at the business, we're also supposed to raise a family perfectly. We're supposed to put dinner on the table. We're supposed to have a, a clean house. We're supposed to do all of these things. We're supposed to be in the community, go to church, do all, you know, everything. But then there is no counter to that. There is mm. no, okay, if you do this, like in a, in a house, you know, husband, Constant wife, sacrifice. You, yeah, if you do this, I will take care of this. If you, because we've taken on these same gender roles that have carried through. Now I do see millennials being smarter about this. A lot of, a lot of millennial men are mm. taking on more responsibility in the household, which is fantastic. It shouldn't be an expectation that women should do this. Mm. Yeah. You shouldn't feel like this is my job. It's our job to stay yeah. alive, to have a clean house, to be fed. I mean, <laughs> I had a friend who basic said, human stuff. <laughs> who said, whose husband, so, you know, so this is not going to be a male bashing show, I promise you, um, <laughs> who said, you know, I, I need you to take care of the kids, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I don't have time to babysit. And she said, yeah, right. Look at that. If you could see her face, <laughs> you're a dad and you're not babysitting, you're parenting, right? And yep. it's this concept that's still, you know, it's, 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 held over from the baby boomers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the Gen Xers are raising their kids in a different way where, you know, um, you know, I have a son and I'm, you know, I looked at my husband and I said, you, you understand that you're a feminist. You know, I'm not a feminist. I'm not a feminist. I was like, yes, you are because you support me to achieve my goals. Mm -hmm. You're a feminist. You're supporting equality and, and all that. And our son will be raised in such a manner. And he just has a, an issue. He, he thinks of angry women when it comes to feminism. But I love this, things are changing actively in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. And it's up to us too, to not suffer in silence. Because I know that that's one of the things that women do is suffer in silence and they just take it on the chin, right? Like take it on the chin, uh, rub some dirt on it kind of situation. And no, like equality, you know, it's kind of like charity begins at home, equality begins at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really does. And that's probably the hardest place to ask for it too. Yeah. 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 I mean, because there's still, I mean, with our generation expectations of this perfectionism and, you know, you've got to watch what you're, what are you continuing as a cycle for your children? What are your daughters observing? Um, what are your sons observing and things like that? So we sorry, kind of went on this tangent, but you talked about this balancing component with women and, and them taking on these roles. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So Along with balance, I believe it's possible to be a feminist and 100% love men. It yeah. absolutely is. And I think, I think sometimes when you say I'm a feminist, men kind of go, like your husband, you know? yeah. oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and, but that's not the point. The point is, I love you. I love men. But I'm I also want you to be a man. I'm not asking you to be castrated yeah. or anything like that. Please don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. <no. laughs> Exactly. So along with balance, we were going back to that balance is, is really letting go of expectations that you cannot fulfill and should not mm. be expected to fulfill. You cannot do everything for everyone. Along with that is hang out with other women. Mm. Yeah. Get yeah. out from behind your computer and actually socialize. What? Maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's the other thing I'm seeing is, is the, 
there, there's a resurgence of community of getting back out and, and being human. And we talked mm-hmm. about building relationships and, and those things get exponentially fast tracked when it comes to meeting someone in person um, and getting out because technology has created, you know, we all know this, this increased barrier, this distance between human connection. Um, and, you know, we talked about a lot of things today in relationships, prioritization, um, you know, balance, um, women's rights. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what do you think, what do you see as being the keys to success in life and business? Because people talk about business, people talk about life, but no one really is talking about the combination, especially when it comes to female, um, you know, parent entrepreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say as you're going into business, it's very tempting to put everything into it. Mm. And you may feel out of balance, especially at first. Your time is going to be weird. You're going to be spending time on your business that you would normally spend with your family. I would say at some point you must change that. You have to have time with family, with your husband or your spouse. You have to do that or else you will lose it. I almost lost my husband, uh, let's see, it was about 2004. We didn't talk for about a year, actually. Um, I made a business decision that was detrimental to our family. I went into Mm -hmm. debt for a business that was basically going nowhere, and I didn't tell him about it. And so he was angry with me for about a year until he finally forgave me. He never brought up the D word, thank God, but I can tell he was ready to do it. Mm. So there is a huge value to having your spouse be a part of your decision-making process. Don't cut them out. Don't assume they're going to say no. If they do say no, there might be a really good reason for it. You Mm. might be the one who's really willing to jump out and take risks and your spouse might be the one who's there to ground you just a little bit before you do something really stupid. So you know, there's, there's definitely a balance and having your spouse on your side is a million times better than trying to hide it and trying to. Yeah. And that, that goes, it. whether you're starting your business or you're in business, you're making multiple six figures and making seven figures, you know, no matter where you are, it's just take that second, take a step back mm-hmm. and, and look at, is my life supporting my business mm-hmm. or is my business supporting my life? Not, am I giving everything to my business? Yeah. Um, Cause you, you see it all the time, you know, the indebted accountants, the overweight doctors, the, you know, oh, yeah. all, all those, the shoe cobbler's kids. Right. So mm-hmm. lead by example. And that starts with how are you showing up in life and business? Lisa, right. thank you so much for joining us today. Is there, um, you know, how can people learn more about you, get in touch with you to, you know, get support either quilting or with writing their book? Yeah. So like I said, the quilting website is still so much in beta. It's not even funny. I mean, I installed the WordPress. I did the theme. <laughs> just like super basic. Oh, by the time where this goes out, I mean, <laughs> they just need to know they can Google your name and quilting. <laughs> okay. So it's called lisathequilter.com. Super simple. And then my book business is book2bestseller.com. And that's the number two in the middle, book2bestseller. Awesome. Thank you so much. And guys, make sure you guys go check it out because by the time you hear this, those websites are both going to be active. So thanks so much. Thank you.